Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. It is that time. We get up early for you because we're just those kind of guys. The Mac and Mac guys on Birds 365. Johnny Mac, we are 28 days away from uh, camp. And this would be show number what? Gas off the top of your head for Bird uh, we're, we're nearing 60. I don't think we, what are we, 57, 58, 50, 59? 59, very good. Right. Show 59 here on Birds 365, heading toward 100. Those first 100 days in uh, Birds 365 office are key. Uh, yes. We're getting there. We're, we're zooming right along to get there. Even though uh, it seems like camp is like a year and what a half. What did you want to accomplish, Jody, in the first 100 uh, shows of the Birds 365 administration? To not get fired uh, was the <laughs> number one goal as far as I was concerned. And we, we may still accomplish that. We'll we have may. To, we may. We'll have day to, to day. What do I always tell <laughs> there you? There you go. Control That's, what you can control, Jody. You're day not going to gonna get coach speak like that anywhere else than here on Birds 365 <laughs> that we are day to day. Um, John McMullen, Jody McDonald, hang with you. we got a couple of good guests uh, who will hop aboard during the next two hours. We'll give you details on that coming up in just a second. I want to reference uh, a friend of the show. We've had him on before. We'll probably try and get him on next week or the week after, certainly sometime over the next uh, couple of weeks. Adam Kaplan of uh, the Inside the Birds podcast um, did mention in his latest podcast that he's gotten at least what he believes to be decent info and sources about the Eagles and the conversations they're having with Steven Nelson, the much-talked-about cornerback, last with the Pittsburgh Steelers, who is still out there on the open market, who is arguably the best cornerback who is still available on the uh, free agent market right now. And we've heard little about the Eagles' interest in Steven Nelson, other than guys like Jody McDonald, John McMullen, uh, just speculating on Birds 365 that it seems like a natural fit and the Eagles should be in conversations with him. Uh, Adam Kaplan did throw out some parameters of what he believes the conversations have been like. And what uh, Adam said was he's hearing that the Birds are trying to get the deal done somewhere in the 2 to $3 million range. One-year contract at this stage of uh, free agency, that's usually what you're talking about. Guys aren't getting multi-year deals when you're already uh, sneaking up on July and you are down to less than a month before camp opens up, uh, chances are Nelson's going to have to take a one-year deal. That's the best offer he's going to get. And that the Eagles are sitting somewhere in that 2 to $3 million range, whereas Nelson is still of the belief that he deserves more and is asking for somewhere between four and $5 million. At first blush, it doesn't seem like that big a difference, John. But when teams are getting down to the nitty and the gritty, the Eagles have about $4 million underneath in caps underneath their cap right now uh, as far as space goes, which, by the way, an aside, shoot, I don't think I brought this up in a week. Yeah, did, I miss, did I miss the Landon Dickerson signing? Nope, nope, you haven't. Have, have they announced that yet? Is that a four? Uh, 
you know. It uh, is a foregone conclusion, but no, they have not announced it. And they have not announced it because of what I've been telling you. It's uh, offset money. Um, and, and it'll get done before training camp. But you're right. The bigger part of Landon Dickerson is the cap hit. So you mentioned, let's see, I'm pulling it up. The Eagles have right now $4.72 million essentially, of, of, of salary cap space. Uh, Landon's hit is going to be over a million of that. So you have to understand right off the bat, that's going to take a chunk out. And then you're talking about Stephen Nelson. Now, Howie's trick is these voidable years where Stephen Nelson will sign a five-year deal on paper, right. uh, which is four voidable years on top of a, a nothing year. So you can spread out the the signing bonus, whatever guaranteed money gets over five years, and it, it won't be much of a hit. So they'll be able to do it if they can convince Stephen Nelson to come in. Couple things about Stephen Nelson. One, because the Eagles are so up against it, we've been talking about Stephen Nelson for so long. You know, there's this almost this anticipation. Oh, let's get Stephen Nelson. So if he comes in, this is not a big time player. This is the best of what's left. And oh, by the way, what's today's date, Jody? Uh, June 29th. June 29th, yes. He's still out there for a reason. Uh, if he was really good, he wouldn't be out there. And certainly if he was really good, we wouldn't be talking about two million and four million in parson numbers. So you have this weird kind of loggerheads where Steven Nelson's agent claims 17 teams are interested. Well, yeah, come on. Come on. Oh, um, I, do, you, do you not believe him? Oh, I believe well, him. There well, are 17 teams interested. But they're interested in the same yes. kind of numbers that the Eagles are, exactly. about two million per, and the agent's holding out for four yeah. or five. That's so why he's still not signed. Yeah, so it's sort of how you frame it. Yeah, a bunch of people would let him come in and say, okay, this is a veteran guy. He can probably help us. You need five corners in the NFL right? Uh, in today's day. So you're right. I mean, there's probably a lot of teams that would bring him in. But the second part, and I've said this pretty consistently, is the Eagles can offer him a starting job. So they can offer him the ability to play. And then if he plays well, he could get a big contract next year, whether it's here or somewhere else. So to me, this has always been the perfect fit for him. Even if he gets 4 million from somebody else, and he's not Joey at this stage, everybody's budget. Nobody's paying Steven Nelson that to be a fourth corner or, or even a third corner. They're just not going to do it at this stage of the game. So, yeah, from, from Stephen Nelson's standpoint, you got to say, all right, you know what? The opportunity here is bigger than maybe a couple extra bucks there. That's how I would look at it. Other players look at it, oh, you're going to offer me 15 cents more? I'm going to go there. It, so it kind of – it always depends on the individual. And it depends on uh, the guy who's making the deal. Part of what every general manager has to do is – negotiate and try and hold the line and uh, in a capped world heading into a season give yourself as much wiggle room uh you just threw the number out it's like four and change but you got to factor in a million plus for dickerson which is going to take it down to three and change oh how he doesn't want to give it away in one fell swoop you want to save it as best you can because you never know what's going to happen you could have a uh, tremendous run of injuries leading into the season. And before you know it, yeah, you're elevating guys who you're targeting 
for your practice squad going into camp. You don't really think they've got a chance to make your team, but they could be practice squad players. Damn, they're going to be on our active 53 because we've got two cornerbacks who went down, two offensive linemen who went down, two linebackers who went down with injury. So you always want to leave yourself a little wiggle room, and that's what I think Howie is doing right now, trying to negotiate as best he can to leave himself that wiggle room. But part of it is a salesmanship job that you have to sell. You did a good job uh, just then explaining why it would be advantageous for Nelson to be here. He's going to start. How many teams in the National Football League could we look at their roster right now, look at their depth chart, and say, oh, well, if they get Steven Nelson, and he's certainly stepping in and starting over the guys that they have right now, what do you got, a handful? Maybe seven or eight at the most? So if playing is the most important thing, you sell that. If coaching is the most important thing, I guess you get uh, Nick Sirianni on the phone if he needs to step in and uh, say, listen, I'll tank rock, paper, and scissors for you. If that's what you need, you need a little confidence boost. You should see me. I can lose to anybody on the team when it comes to competitive <laughs> games that we play. Yes, yes. You, you do what you have to to get the guy interested, and I'm not sure that the Eagles have done that. Like I said, Adam Kaplan put out numbers there, and believe me when I tell you, you know this plenty well, John, that uh, it's about 80% of the battle is is what are the dollars and cents. And then it's the periphery items and the the other things that you can sell. It, the, the money's got to be damn close to uh, acceptable for the player yeah. before they're ever going to do anything. Yeah. And, you know, you, you bring up the fact that uh, uh, Steven's talking about, um, you know, money versus playing time and coaching. You know, you bring up Nick Sirianni, Jody. I, I think it's more about Jonathan Gannon. And by the way, that's also a positive because – Jonathan Gannon's history is with the cornerback position. That's where he grew up. So you have a defensive coordinator who not only grew up as a coach in this league teaching cornerbacks. Oh, by the way, he also rescued the career of Xavier Rhodes. You can throw that out at him. Yeah. Who was once an all-pro corner and just went in the tank and all of a sudden, not great, but he was okay in Indianapolis last year. Uh, and he's done it numerous times, and you could point to that. So as far as a sell job, this is pretty easy for the Eagles, in my opinion. Uh, by far, though, the biggest is we can offer playing time. And if you go anywhere else, you might win playing time. You might compete, uh, as Nick Sirianni likes to say, and you might win a job somewhere and everything might be copacetic. But you're going to have to go win that job. He comes into Philadelphia, and we talk about it, and this is the hypocrisy of competition. It's a starting outside corner. Now, yeah. they might not name him sort of like Jalen Hurts hasn't been named a starting quarterback. Cornerback. They might say, oh, we want to look at uh, Mike Jaquette, and we want to look at Abonte Maddox outside, and even Josiah Scott outside. No, he's your starting corner. And you can say that behind the scenes and say, you know, Stephen, this is – look at this path, man. There's no grass, there's no weeds, there's no nothing. This is straight, man. All you got to do is reach the finish line. You're the starting corner for the Philadelphia Eagles. And as I said, who knows? If Jonathan Gannon does his handiwork, if he turns him into an overachieving cornerback, this is a cornerback. We talk about this being a quarterback desperately, Jody. Well, it's also a cornerback desperately. Sure. And if he plays well over 17 games, got to catch myself, not 16, he can make himself some money next year. And uh, we'll see if that happens this week.
or next week or the week after as we get closer to camp. We've been waiting for it to be the week that the Eagles upgrade the cornerback position. Hasn't happened yet. But then again, Stephen Nelson hasn't signed anywhere else yet. So we're, we're, we're not coming down that harshly on Howie Roseman. Uh, something you and I discussed for just a couple of minutes we had before the show started. Carson Wentz, the <laughs> mentoring man. I never knew. Who knew that Carson Wentz was the mentoring guy? Now, I will cut Carson this much slack because he comes into the league and he's thrown into the deep end of the pool. Didn't look like that was going to be the case. He was going to be one of the rookies that was going to have to sit and watch and learn and play when the Eagles decided it was time to move on from their veteran quarterback. No, lo and behold, the week before camp uh, gets underway, they trade uh, uh, Sling and Sammy uh, to the Minnesota Vikings, and Carson Wentz is thrown right into the starting lineup. So he never really got that mentoring thing. But also, he's never been asked to do that mentoring thing either, probably until this year which now most uh, people who cover the media speculate it wasn't something that Carson Wentz liked or enjoyed. He wasn't happy about the fact that the Eagles used a second-round pick on Carson Wentz this year. So I, I, he never really got it, and he never really did it. But somehow now we're made to believe that Carson Wentz is Mr. Mentor. He decided to uh, specifically give some advice to Trey Lance on his upcoming season, these North Dakota guys, um, I guess Carson has moved his charity softball game from down at uh, Lincoln Financial Field out to North Dakota. I'm guessing he's not getting as big a crowd in Fargo as he no. did here in Philadelphia. No, I think, real quick, Jody, he's always had two. So he had one in Philadelphia, he had one in North Dakota. I still think he has two. So I think he's he, he's he's doing one in Indy. And he's in Indy? Yeah, he's doing one in North. He's always had two softball. He's always done one in North Dakota, and he always did one at Lincoln Financial Field. So he always did two. Okay. And then you have all the old North Dakota State guys going back for that game. So Easton Stick is out there as well. And, you know, I think it is more of a North Dakota State thing. You mentioned um, he didn't have mentoring. Now, he did. It was Chase Daniel. Um Sam Bradford, it's always interesting with these situations, was not happy when the Eagles drafted uh, Carson Wentz. You remember, if you remember, he didn't show up for voluntary work for about uh, a week or, or or 10 days, and that's rare for a starting corner quarterback. I mean, uh, voluntary work, we, we've talked about this all the time. It's voluntary for certain people. It's not voluntary for young players. It's not voluntary for the starting quarterback. you got to be there. So it was kind of a big deal at the time. People realized that Sam Bradford uh, wasn't happy, and understandably so. He knew the writing on the wall. I mean, number two overall pick, you're done. It's just a matter of when. Um, and ultimately, it got sped up after the Bridgewater injury. Uh, what goes around comes around. You see it in Green Bay. I mean, Brett Favre was upset with Aaron Rodgers. Aaron Rodgers upset with Jordan Love. You have all this um, – um, drama, whatever you want to call it. So Carson's not that rare and uh, the fact that he didn't like the Eagles drafting Jalen Hurts. I don't have a problem with that. I really don't. I have a problem with the way you handled it after. Uh, you can be upset. You can even go to Howie Roseman's office and say, take down my fathead, Howie, 
You drafted. Put up a challenge. Go be angry. Go scream. Go go yell some paint off some walls. But then go out and do what Aaron Rodgers did. Now you're not Aaron Rodgers. Not going to be the MVP. Whatever. Okay, but my point. You get my point. You can handle it a little better from that kind of standpoint. As far as mentoring, that it's like anything to a lesser degree. The Alabama guys stick together. The Miami guys stick together. The North Dakota State guys, and all of a sudden they have this quarterback tree almost, and they're going to stick together. But I do think it's funny that he said, you know, kind of dim the outside noise, whatever the quote was. I mean, come on, Carson. You did not do that. Right. Black out the noise. Uh, go to work and black out the noise is the supposed quote that they uh, used in talking to Trey Lance. Hello? How about looking in the mirror here, big guy? He did not handle it well this year. Yeah, you you actually cut him more slack than I do for the fact that he's got a right to be annoyed because he goes, it's a second round pick. It's not a first round pick. It's a mid to yeah, late. Yeah, but still, Jody, I will still say it's hard to find a historical comparison of somebody taking a quarterback that high. I get you. It's not a first round pick. At that age, and you just remember, you just paid Carson Wentz. I can't find another example of it in the Super Bowl era, and I've looked. I can't find it. 27-year-old quarterback who you just paid uh, the Brinks truck to, you just backed it up, and all of a sudden you take another quarterback in the second round that high. Uh, yeah, 38-year-old quarterback, yeah, it's happened. There's plenty of examples of it. Guy in the prime of his career that you just paid all that money? There's no examples of it, Jody. So it is rare. And rare, but deal with it. Come on. Uh, I, I don't know about you, Johnny Mac, but me, if somebody is going to pay me exorbitant fees to do a job, and yes, I will use the word exorbitant to describe Carson Wentz's contract. I get it. Every time there's a new guy every year that steps in and he's going to be the new highest paid guy. And you're going to reset the whole salary structure in the league by the top level quarterbacks and the like, but he was certainly of that ilk and he got that kind of money. I'm not going to sweat a second round draft pick being picked behind me. I, and look, I agree with you. I, I, that's what I, that's what I'm criticizing for. I, at some point get angry, Like they didn't communicate with you before the pick, get angry and then move on and turn the corner and say what you just said. It's a stinking second round pick. They just gave me, uh, uh, the most guaranteed money in the history of the NFL, you know, I agree with you. Uh, and I agree, handled it wrong. But I also, where we disagree and where we go off uh, different paths, I think the Eagles made a mistake. Yeah. Um, if, if the goal, remember, Jody, remember what the goal was. Remember, the goal was Carson Wentz isn't going to be here. So with re revisionist history, you can say, oh, this worked out well because Carson went in the tank. But why did Carson go in the tank? And Carson going in the tank was not the plan. That's my point. So that's where I criticize the Eagles. Right. And I know I'm on an island pretty much uh, by myself here. Maybe this is one thing we'll run by our first guest. I was perfectly fine using the pick for a backup quarterback in the second round. Because the Eagles didn't really have a backup quarterback going into last offseason. 
Um, I know it's not the usual way that the NFL works, but yeah, every once in a while, Harry Roseman believes that the Eagles can do things a little differently and maybe he'll be a trendsetter that we've got a young starting quarterback and Carson Wentz, relatively young. We can have an even younger backup. Age is irrelevant. We just know we need two quarterbacks. And if I can get a young quarterback, because there's if there's one thing that I uh, marvel at at the NFL almost on a year-in, year-out basis, is the fact that they pay damn good money to back up quarterbacks, and you then hope that the guy never sees the field. Please <laughs> sit all season long. I'll pay you. Oh, I'll pay you. Overpay you. I'm going to have uh, 22 guys, at least six starters, that I'm going to pay less than you to never play, stand on the sidelines, wear a hat, and carry a clipboard. But the backup quarterback's an important position. Why not get him cheaper? And a guy on a rookie deal who's a second-round draft pick is cheaper. And damn if they didn't have to put Jalen Hurts in. Now, yes, none of us foresaw the collapse of Carson Wentz's career, but he did actually get in and play. I bought Howie Rose. That's what I said the night that they made the pick. Uh, Shock is certainly your first reaction. They're taking a quarterback in the second round? But when you took a couple of minutes to think about it, like, all right, well – as a backup, he could actually be cost-effective, and he might be good. And what happens if Carson Wentz breaks his leg and he's out for two years? Now, now you've got your next guy in place. Some inside baseball, Jody. Uh, on draft night, uh, on that night, I was given an, an indication uh, that the Eagles were going to draft Jalen Hurts, and I hesitated it to put it on Twitter because I was like, this can't be right. How long it before the pick? Uh, I I had to pick up there before they made the pick. I ultimately I just threw it up there. I said whatever, but what and and it was right, so it worked out. We're talking, uh, we're talking matters of minutes here. Yeah, we're talking okay. like uh, a, a minute, ninety seconds before gotcha. the okay. pick. Um, and I I said to myself, uh, this can't be right. This can't be right, and it was right. Well, and uh, I didn't. Uh, come down. And I hesitated, so it should have been up. My point is, it should have been up about two and a half minutes before. Well, that, that's okay. Uh, and I was one of very few who didn't have a problem with uh, Howie Roseman actually making that pick. All right, uh, let's get our first guests up. Joining us tonight, uh, today is going to be Chris Franklin from NJ.com, Eagles beat writer, WAP aboard with the Mac and Mac guys there on Birds 365. I get scared sometimes. Of a lot of things. Joining in. Decisions. The dark. The dark. But I once heard someone say. But as I always say. It's okay to be afraid. As long as you face the fear. And keep moving forward. Wherever you are in life, count on the name trusted in insurance for over 80 years. Independence Blue Cross. Ah, the savoring taste of a good bag of beef jerky is so enjoyable at any time of the day, as long as you can find it. Here's what we suggest. Pure Bull Beef Jerky is our answer, and soon it will be yours. Locally produced in the Philadelphia region, this high-quality, healthy protein snack is easy to secure. Go to Steersnacks.com, and you'll see hot garlic, tropical heat, Pure Bull Dry Rub, and our favorite, Huck and Fod. What's that? Huck and Fod. Go now to Steersnacks.com. Welcome to the Wildwoods, the perfect place where you can safely do everything or nothing at all. Catch a wave, take a nap, go for a drive, 
grab a bite. It's your vacation, and we're doing everything we can to make it a safe one. The Wildwoods. Your vacation, your way. The International Brotherhood of Electrical Workers, Local Union 98, is a proud sponsor of The Labor Show with J. Doc and Krause every Saturday night from 6 to 8 p.m. IBEW Local 98's highly trained and superbly skilled electricians are the best in the business, setting the highest safety standards in the electrical industry. So when you're planning your next industrial, commercial, or residential project, choose an IBEW Local 98 union contractor. Learn more at IBEW98.org. Field of life. First Trust Bank is there for you. Because Philadelphia dreams deserve a Philadelphia bank. This is a key. It's a family tree. It's a pair of wings. It's a secret handshake. And a ticket to anywhere in the world. It's more than a uniform. It's the door to a world most people only dream of. There's strong, and then there's Army strong. Try it on at GoArmy.com. He's John McMullen. I'm Jody McDonald. We are Bird 365, and we are lucky enough to get our next guest to be able to talk Eagles and NFL with us for the next 20 minutes. Uh, you catch him on NJ.com. Mr. Chris Franklin jumps aboard with us here on Bird. Chris, Jody Mack, and Johnny Mack here with you. How are you, bud? Hey, doing great, guys. How are you guys doing? Uh, doing well. Good to see you, Chris. Uh, uh, first off, I want to see how are you uh, bouncing back from your foray covering the Sixers. That was tough. Uh, that was a tough ending there. That was one of the weirdest strangest most fun things to view over that playoff run there's just so much that just happened and it yeah. they really should be still playing right now but that's a whole nother story on that yeah well then that uh gives me a good uh follow-up question knowing full well that the sixers were supposed to go further than they did and came up short and losing to the hawks knowing the eagles were supposed to be competitive last year and they weren't at 4 11 and 1 which is actually more disappointing and disheartening to a fan base being making the playoffs, having a good regular season, then getting picked off in the playoffs or supposed to have a decent regular season and you stink. What do you think <laughs> is feeling more pain this year? Eagles fans or Sixer fans? Oh, Sixers fans for sure. Okay. It, when you're looking at the way that everything was lined up, you had the bucks. Who they, I thought they matched up better at, you had all these other things and the nets were out. You had so many things lined up and to get bounced by a team that Trey Young, don't get me wrong, Trey Young's a really, really good guard. Yeah. When you look at the supporting cast they had, they, 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 this team should have been playing probably they should have made, probably made the NBA finals. I think they would have had a chance to actually win the whole thing. Plus, I gotta add, Chris, you got one in the pocket if you're the Eagles. We we gotta go back to twenty eighteen in February. 
whereas you got to go back to 1983 for the Sixers. So I, I think that adds into it as well. The, the Eagles kind of have one in their pocket. But for Philadelphia, obviously, now they're in the transition period. That's what Jeffrey Lurie has called it. Now, I get the sense, Chris, and they do this every year, and I've asked a lot of guys this. Do you do you think they've shifted a little bit from this mentality? Okay, we got to rebuild. We got to turn this thing over. And now as we get closer to training camp, they start to say, well, we can compete in this division. Let's go get uh, some veteran players. If we can get Steven Nelson, you think that helps or hurts? I think it hurts. I think it, for, for me, I think it hurts because they're stuck in the middle right now. It's, they, if you're going to build something right, you don't just want to just rush it together, piece it up, and then have all these holes left in. If you're going to do a complete teardown, do a complete teardown and build it up the right way. And I think they're, they're, it's going to be one. I think it's going to look like one of those years where you see there's so much potential, or they'll be close, and you have you have you'll look back at the personnel and go, "Hey, they had Kerrigan, they still have Graham, they have all these pieces, but yet it's just not good enough." And they still have all these assets next year with the first round picks. They have everything there to continue to build, but. I think the best thing to do is get a lot of these young guys some experience, have them go through an entire season, go through the lumps, learn how to win themselves, and then keep adding on. And then if it doesn't work out, then, hey, you know that you have to build in other places and then start over from scratch again. So they're caught in the middle for sure, it seems like. Ryan Kerrigan is one of those players that John was kind of relating to. Uh, You get a veteran guy. He can probably make some plays for you, but are you – hurting anyone else with their time on the field that you need to make a decision on that may be more a player you would uh, lean on going down the line uh, in future years, which brings us to Derek Barnett and Josh Sweat. Both are free agents at the end of this year. I don't see both of them coming back. The one who plays better, the one that the Eagles feel better about is probably the guy they're going to pursue and try and sign to a contract extension, maybe even in season this year before they get to free agency. Which of those two do you have more confidence in that? Yeah, this guy could actually, we've been waiting for the Barnett breakout year for about three straight years. Now, is it going to be Barnett or do you think Josh Wed uh, flashes enough that they say, damn, we got to get this guy signed going forward. I personally think it's going to be sweat because at least when, as you mentioned before, at least you've seen development out of sweat Barnett, and another thing too is Barnett's injury history. I mean, both guys get nicked up, but Barnett seems to be, you just get seem to have a little bit more frustration when you see Barnett. You see a guy who had how many times have you heard that he has this bend and he broke the record? He he has all these tools. He has his Reggie's records. Yeah, yeah. You, you keep hearing that, and then you're waiting for the guy to put it all together. And I look at Sweat and I see a guy who's should have been what Barnett should have been. And I think, looking long term, I think you could probably be a more cost effective getting a guy like Sweat would be cheaper than a guy like Barnett in the long haul. I mean, and I think still think you get more production, the same if not more production out of Sweat than you do with Barnett. If Barnett, I will say this: if Barnett is able to stay on the field for in a, I say like 13, 14 games, if which is going to be tough to, we haven't really seen him do that. But if he stays on the field for 13, 14 games. I think he can have a, a season where he gets like seven sacks. And is it enough to get a big contract? I, I wouldn't feel comfortable still doing that, but I, I think he, he may have a bounce back season in my opinion. But still Chris, 
to further go down that path, okay, maybe, you know, maybe it doesn't seem like a big deal, but you know coaches in this league. So we're trying to evaluate Derek Barnett and Josh Weck because you're probably not going to be able to sign both. And as I said, you know how coaches are. They're going to try to win games on game day, and they're going to say, we got Ryan Kerrigan. Let's put Ryan Kerrigan out there. And the more snaps he takes away from those guys, the less evaluation. So I get back to my original point. What the heck are we trying to do here? Are we trying to evaluate who's going to be here? Because I, I like Ryan Kerrigan. They didn't spend a lot of money on him. I think he can help this team. But I think he can help this team in 2021. He's gone in 2022. So what's the point? I, I, when the initial hurt is signing, I'm still trying to figure it out myself. I mean, I, he gives you that veteran leadership. He can show the guys how to do it. But when it comes long term, it is just taking away. I like. I'm really excited to look see what Teron Jackson does. Yeah. I I think he can be a disruptor. But when you have a guy like that, I think it like say it takes away from the snaps he has. And then even if you do want to have a package where you have Carragoni outside, you move Graham inside, and they got Barnett. I mean, what does that do for the other guys as well? Too? Like you see what they can do to, as a win now. But I think in the long term, it hinders a lot of those the playing time for those young guys. And I would, I think Jackson needs a lot of snaps to get you acclimated to it, especially if you're not going to sign Barnett or Sweat. I think you need to get those guys prepared as early as possible. Well, before you uh, came on, before we just punched you up, we were talking about Jalen Hurts going back to draft night last year. I didn't have a problem with it. I was one of very few who said, well, I get what they're doing. They're drafting their backup quarterback here. And, oh, by the way, Carson Wentz almost always gets hurt, and if they have to put a guy in and it's not just some grizzled 38-year-old veteran who's going to hold down the fort for two games, if he's got to play for two months, so be it. Uh, I didn't know it was going to turn into Jalen Hurts starting quarterback year number two. So it's been kind of a weird journey in the first year plus of Jalen Hurts' career. All we hear about this kid is he's got great character, he's got great mental makeup, and he's a take-charge kind of guy, and players gravitate to him is he ready to be the starting quarterback of the philadelphia eagles this year in your mind i think he is and i definitely think he's a top more than a top 40 quarterback that's a whole nother uh situation when it comes to it but i i look at some of the things that he's been able to do like when he played on the field uh, i mean everybody knows about his athletic ability everybody knows about he's a run he developed a, he went a long way in his development from when he first came into camp into when he, de- he played Against the he's inserted against the Packers, he played against Saints and so forth and so on. I think his intermediate game and his short passing game, I think there's a lot to be said there. He has to improve on the he has to improve on the long ball. But I wrote this about this this morning. I think that it actually improves too because the Eagles were focused more on the run, so it opens up a lot more uh, a lot more windows, a lot more things open for them. But I think when you look at, I mean, don't get me wrong, he can't throw fifty two percent have a 52 completion rate percentage again. But I think just like any other rookie, you think he was trying to get used to everything else. So I think he will, you'll see considerable improvement. And I think that he's going to open up this offense, not only in the run game, but also passing game. And I think he'll have success. All right, Chris, I'm going to, I'm going to give Jody a present here by giving you a hypothetical question. Because Jody loves the hypothetical. Love the hypothetical. (laughs) So I'm going to go this route. Jalen Hurts, not a lot is expected from this team nationally. We've seen the numbers over six and a half. Nobody, nobody thinks this team's going to be any good. So Jalen Hurts plays well. 
and the Eagles are better than people expect. Uh, but, you know, they win eight games. They're, they're obviously not ready to be a championship contender. And all of a sudden, down in Houston, down in South Texas, legal allegations are cleared up. You mentioned the Eagles have all the draft capital. They'll have all the money they need. Deshaun Watson's free and clear. He's not playing for the Houston Texans. Somebody's going to go get him. Are the Eagles getting Deshaun Watson, even after Jalen Hurst plays well? Personally, I wouldn't because I think you still have him on a rookie deal and then you just get him the pieces that he needs to further develop him. But I think the way Howie Roseman thinks and the way that this team has done in the past, I think they'll throw everything in the kitchen sink in order to try to get him. But in a situation like that, it's it's hard to find young talent, especially homegrown talent. And being that we've seen this team in the past when it comes to their cap situation, how much and, and how much success you have before you sign that quarterback to a big contract, you have so many more assets. I think you open yourself instead of having, okay, you're setting yourself up, you're setting your uh, cap run for it to be blocked up for the next three, four years. You give yourself two years to really bring in some top tier talent to put around him, not only on office, but also help that defense as well, too, because there's still issues on the other side of the oh, thing. Yeah. So, Watson would be very uh, Watson's a very dynamic quarterback and I just he, he adds a lot you know you got the Pro Bowls but if you have a young quarterback yourself still on a rookie deal you can do so much and I, I, in that situation if, I, if I'm sitting in the GM which I think for a lot of people that's probably a good thing I'm not sitting in the GM spot I, I probably would stay away from stay away from that and stay with sick with Hurts. Now I'll, I'll answer the hypothetical too I know yes of Chris but I'll give you an answer. I'll play Howie Roseman. Uh, the reason why we're staying with Jalen Hurts, so I can get John McMullen to stop asking a question about <laughs> we half-heartedly talk about rebuild and then go the veteran route and try and win no. anyway. No, this is an actual rebuild, and we're going to stick with the young guys. So, Jalen, guess what? You're our guy. I'm just calling <laughs> here as to what Howie may actually say. All right, uh, let me uh, turn it over to the defensive side of the ball. We don't know what Jonathan Gannon is yet. He's talked a pretty good game. You guys had access to him. I like the answers that he gave. You got a chance to see some of the uh, stuff that they did on the field, only that was limited during the uh, non-mandatory workouts that the Eagles were in. But we also know about his hits philosophy and the way he thinks defense is going to be played. Can you actually teach that, Chris? Can you – he, he emphasizes turnovers, that getting turnovers is a big part of winning in the National Football League. And last time I checked, there was no specific way that you can increase your turnovers. There's no analytical theorem you can put into place that's going to uh, make you a better turnover team. How is Gannon going to be able to implement that to see it happen, not only with the talent that he has here, but just overall in the NFL Making turnovers happen. I don't know how you do that. Pressure. One, one more. Lots. Of, oh, wow. That's more than one word, but lots and lots of pressure when it comes to that. I mean, when you see those linebackers up near the up near the line of scrimmage, and you see the potential blitzes that could be used, and and, and especially if coming from the Minnesota, the old Minnesota way of double A gap blitz, Mike Zimmer way of double A gap blitz. You're faking that, and you your quarterback, and you see two linebackers coming straight at you and you start kind of going, Oh, I don't know which way it's going. And, oh, wait, they drop back and you just have a corner coming to the other side. That type of <clears> philosophy <throat> really drives havoc on a quarterback. 
And when you have to speed up the clock, you put yourself, you put the offices in more of a situation where they have to throw, they can potentially throw the ball away, turn them over. So I think the pressure is going to be what helps them get toward the turnovers. But you have to have the guys in the right position. You have to have the right personnel to get you in that right thing. And I think you have Slay. I, I when you have Slay, I think he can do well. There's still that other question mark when it comes to Avanti Maddox. If they find another cornerback and move Maddox back inside, I got no problem with that at all because I think he does well in there. So they'll get the pressure, but it's still going to come dependent on that personnel they have. By the way, I love that Jody brought up the hits philosophy <laughs> because <laughs> I like Jonathan Gannon, but come on, hustle. It's a hustle, intensity, takeaways, and I think smarts or football IQ, whatever. Uh, yeah. Okay. Thanks, Jonathan. Yeah. Every defensive coordinator doesn't want to take the football away. The point is, you mentioned those double A gaps, uh, Chris. Well, Mike Zimmer had Anthony Barr and Eric Kendricks. And oh, by the way, when you talk about bailing out and blitzing the corner, yeah, with Xavier Rhodes and Trey Waynes and Mackenzie Alexander, all these first and second round picks. Who the heck is Jonathan Gannon doing that with? Alex Singleton and Eric Wilson? And maybe they signed Steven Nelson? I mean, to run that philosophy, you got to have big-time players. And I think it, I think it's also, they're going to have to rely more of a team concept as well, too, a team defensive concept, because a lot of these times when, when you go one-on-one, I think Singleton, Singleton, I think I still believe, I don't think he's a one-hit wonder. And I think Wilson could be okay. I'm more worried about the back end, that third level of the defense. The second level, I think the defensive line is going to be able to shield a little bit more and keep those linebackers clean so they can still do the things they want to. It's once you get back towards the back end, that's where I think there's going to be a lot more a lot more worries. I think you have a lot of speed and athleticism in the linebacker. It's still not the way the linebackers you remember from like the late 80s, 90s of the Eagles, but – they're still athletic enough to get to the get from sideline to sideline. No, no problem with that. And, and if the defensive line does what they're supposed to, play their gaps, plays sound defensive team ball up front, they'll be fine. It's the when they get back to that back in that secondary. Ooh, I mean, you still have McLeod. Still, you got questions about his knee if he's going to be okay. Kayvon Wallace is still a young guy to develop. You got you got you got so many pieces. There's so many question marks back there. That's just that's where you start to really. That's where my all my questions are on that defense is the secondary. Let me follow up on that with uh, both you guys. As a matter of fact, Johnny just threw out a hypothetical so I could hop in. I need your answer, Chris, and then uh, John as well. Uh, our buddy Jimmy Kemsky, we had him on yesterday. You guys, compatriots on the beat. He didn't tell us he was going to do a column for today's paper about breakout stars. We just had fun with his dumpster fire series when we had him on. But he had five breakout potential breakout stars for the Eagles this year. Uh, both Jalen's, Hertz, and uh, Rager. Uh, Maialata, Quez Watkins, Andre Dillard. His five potential breakout stars. What do all of these guys have in common? They play on the same side of the ball. Five offensive players. Nary one defensive player to be found on his potential breakout stars. So I'll ask you guys to, maybe it's reach. Give me a defensive guy who you can at least put off the flank of these five guys. I'm not saying Jimmy's wrong. Actually, I think he's pretty right. Uh, I don't know if I would put a defensive guy ahead of any of those five, but it is pretty sad that it's five on one side, zero on the other. Force feed me a defensive guy. 
that I can get excited about and call a potential breakout star. Well, I know he's a defensive lineman and defensive tackle, but it's, it's not like the most attractive pick. But I think Milton Williams, I really believe that he can be a guy yeah. who can be dynamic, especially on that second unit. When you have it's the strength this guy has, and, and everybody shows the spider charts and everything else, but his pure strength on the inside it, that could potentially bully a guard or a center from there and push that pocket back into quarterbacks. And, and then when you have, if you have Kerrigan playing that second unit and you have Sweat playing that second unit coming off the edge, I think that could, that, that really adds it. And anybody forgets Hassan Ridgeway. Hassan Ridgeway is a good defensive tackle for what he is. So Milton, <clears throat> to me, Milton Williams has the potential to really be a very good defensive tackle, not only against the run, but I think he, his power can basically adjust him in the pass game, the pass rush as well, too. Yeah, I, that's a good one, Chris. I'm going to go with Monte Maddox for two reasons. One, I think this uh, coaching staff is going to be smart enough to keep him in the slot. Uh, they're going to find somebody, whether it's Mike Jaquette or Steven Nelson or somebody to play outside, Zach, Zach McPherson. Uh, so I think they're going to keep him outside, inside, excuse me. And second reason, he's in his contract year. So he's got a lot of, of, of impetus to play well, so to speak, to get that, that second deal, whether it's going to be here or somewhere else. So I do think uh, uh, Abate is going to be a little bit better than people expect. But I do want to talk about the cornerback position as a whole, Chris. I mean, are you of the mindset that whether it's Steven Nelson or somebody else or it's a trade in August, they got to do something. They got to get an outside corner somewhere. And if if they're going to subscribe to the philosophy of a win now, Nelson has to be their guy. He has to target. I think he's more suited for that zone scheme that they have, that they plan on having. I know people are saying, well, Richard Sherman's out there too. I think he stays more out west on the west coast yeah. i don't think he i don't think he would come to philadelphia because otherwise you look at michael jaquette being your the corner and, and i think he'll personally i don't think he's he's to me he's not on the level of a steven nelson yet i think he could play a lot better than he did i, I mean the the that dallas game he had where it was a rough game give like 170 some yards up i that, that was rough and corners have bad games I don't think he'll – I don't think that's who he is as a corner overall. I don't think he's a two right now, but I think he can be all right with it. But if they're going to uh, subscribe to that win now, Nelson has to be the guy. I mean, he's he's the veteran, and, and especially in this division where you have Washington, you have Terry McLaurin, Amari Cooper, CeeDee Lamb, all these guys, they, they have to do something because teams are probably looking at the secondary right now just – just looking at chops is this is bad. And understandably, people are making a big deal about the other cornerback slot yeah. because it deserves to be questioned because we don't know what they're gonna have there. Kind of flying under the radar for me is the safety position because we're all assuming that Rodney Rodney McLeod is gonna come back at some point. Well, when oh, is some man. point? Week one, week four, week eight, week 12. That's a big difference. And if he's not ready to go early in the season, then they're going to be force feeding someone in as uh, starting safety. 
um, maybe a Marcus Epps, who John and I have fun with, uh, because uh, we, we both kind of like Love him. Epsy is uh, a guy who, yeah, I'm, I'm a little optimistic for, probably unfounded, uh, but th they're going to be untested at the other safety position as well if McLeod isn't ready to start the season. Should, be, should we be zeroing in on that as much as we are the other cornerback position, or do we just have faith that Rodney McLeod is going to be able to get, if not back right at the beginning of the season, early enough in the year that uh, – it isn't the end to the Eagle season because they went shorthanded at uh, safety. I think if they win a lot of man-to-man, -man, I'd be extremely worried. But I think with them going to cover two, I think that gives them a little bit more of an out. You can have them playing the deep pass, or even if they go cover three, you have somebody roaming around in, in, in top third. I think that doesn't put as much pressure. Just be, hey, just don't let the guy get behind you. Okay. <laughs> I think that, yeah. that, 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 I have called yeah. conference Epps. I think Kayvon Wallace, I think he, I, I, I'm still high on him. I, I still think he can be a pretty decent uh, safety in this league. So, and Ep, I know Epps is the highest rated safety on a PFF, something like that. Yeah. But so he, he's, the, he's all right if it comes down to it. But I, I know the McLeod injury, that, that's tough to come back for. And, and even then, you still have the year afterwards to get back to your normal self. And he's getting up there in age. But even, even I think the, this new defensive scheme that they have, I think the safeties are going to be, I don't think as much is going to be asked of them. So I think that be them being back in that coverage in that zone, that cover two or three, I think it's going to be okay for them. Yeah. My bigger concern, Chris, with Rodney, as you mentioned, he's 31 now. He turned, he turned 31 a couple of days ago. Uh, he had the ACL in December. So it's a nine month injury. He might not be back week one, but it might be week three or week four. I don't think it's going to be a huge thing. My question is, this is two ACLs and whatever, uh, a, a couple years span. Is he going to have it physically still? That's my bigger concern. He's going to be able to rehab and get on the field pretty quickly. But you brought up an interesting point with cover two, cover three. I, I think the Eagles corners aren't going to be as bad as people think, no matter who's out there, because they're playing a lot of zone. And they're going to look a little bit better. And, and that puts more on the shoulders of the safeties. And you brought up Kayvon Wallace. You know, he's a box safety. I don't know if he fits in here any longer. And that's why I think Marcus Epps, who, who plays a lot of single high or did play a lot of single high, Rodney does, Anthony Harris does. Is that what they're going to use? Just cover two and cover three. I would, and and, and get back to Kayvon as well. I think I use him against your tight, the tight ends, opposing tight ends. I think he'll do well with that part. And I think you use the cover two and cover three to help everybody, help everybody else. I think it's a simple. It, it, well, NFL defenses aren't just like, hey, hey, everybody can run it. There's a lot of nuances and stuff like that. But I think there's a, it's one of those things where it's going to be simpler than what, say, a Jim Schwartz defense was because. Even Schwartz used to say for me for his systems, safeties and linebackers were the toughest things to learn. So I think the cornerbacks, I get that the cornerbacks when it comes to the cover the cover two, it's not as much as asked of them because you have that help on the backside. You just say, hey, keep everything in front of you, cover curl flat, whatever, what have you. But I think when you look overall, I think the, the, the safeties, I think the safeties will be okay. I think, but Rodney is going to be a. Long term, I'm worried about Rodney. Long term, yeah. but 
I, I think he'll be all right. Yeah, fans, real quick, Chris. Fans, I think, are in for a rude awakening if they thought Jim Swartz was simple. Get ready to get simpler. <laughs> oh. let, let me go down the hypothetical road as well. It's July. It's, uh, yeah, J- second day of camp, okay? If camp's going to open on the 27th, the 28th, let's say. Uh, which one of you two guys is going to be the first one to ask uh, Nick Sirianni? And Zach Gertz is not here. Why, coach? <laughs> Zach Gertz is still on the run, but he's not here. Why, coach? And how has Dallas got it? And uh, Nick Sirianni's been pretty good. He has not gotten annoyed with any. He's pulled, hasn't pulled a Doc Rivers getting annoyed with members of the media for asking questions he doesn't like. Will Nick Sirianni be already tired of you guys asking the Zach Ertz question by day two of camp when Howie Roseman still hasn't gotten what he wants in a trade for Zach Ertz. I think he's going to put it off really nicely. I think he's going to try to – I can see right now he'll go, you know what, uh, right. Zach's a very important guy, but you know what, Jack Stoll's out there working Jack his butt Stoll. off. And, <laughs> <laughs> I'm telling you, right, he'll, he'll do that. and he'll, okay. he, He's working his butt yeah. off and he's, he's competing. Yeah. And so I, I I think if if – it lingers on. They they have to do something with Hurts because it, it's going to be a, it's going to want to be an distraction. We get like week two weeks in. And I know they're trying to get whatever they can. They're trying to get the best pick they can or player they can to for for a guy like Hurts. But they have to do something because if the longer this goes in, I think he'll get he would get tired about a weekend. It, it, it's going to because the question is going to keep coming up. I think about a weekend. That's where it goes. Hey guys, uh, I've asked for this enough times. Something else from there. Yeah. <laughs> let's talk about the coach. Last one from me, Chris. Want to thank you for joining the program again. Read his work at njonline.com. Sixers work as well uh, in this off season. Are you still going to be t- uh, on the Sixers trade beat? Real quick. If it involves Simmons, yeah. If, if it involves Simmons or something around that way, yeah. I'll st- I'll, I'll jump in here and there and. Uh, if something pops up over there, which the way it sounds like. All right, give the Cleveland trade, Jody. I want to hear Chris's theory on the Cleveland trade. Yeah, that was reported this week that Cleveland would consider trading Colin Sexton, who averaged almost 25 points uh, a game. Uh, They might not want to go max money. He's on the last year of his rookie deal. Colin Sexton and Kevin Love for Ben Simmons. Now, Love is not a $30 million play anymore. But I don't think Ben Simmons is a $30 million player either. Um, if you got Sexton but had to take Love to make the salary caps work, would you do that if you were the 76 Ever since Love had that inbounds pass uh, mishap and, and, look, he pretty much quit on the team, I would not touch Love. I don't, even if he is Olympic, which I still for the life of me, I don't know how he made the Olympic team, but it, I still would no, I, not. No, no, no. I Say cannot. yes. Say yes. Say yes. No, I can't. I the best, no, that's the no, best no, no, trade no, no, that you no. want to get this offseason. Mark my words. It's not about love. Love is just matching up the salaries. It's about Sexton. It's about pick and roll with Joel. It's about somebody who can create his own offense. I'm 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 calling Portland and giving whatever they need. What do you oh, want for Dame? Said, yeah. Whatever you want for Dame, yeah. I do that in yeah. a heartbeat. Because the two, imagine I'm having, with you. I'm uh, with imagine you. having Seth Curry. You saw what Seth Curry and and, and B did with the two man game. Yeah. Imagine what you had with Dame Lillard and B going with that. And then oh yeah, you have Seth Curry on the other wing. I, I love to me. I, I, if I if it was you. 2012, 12, 13, oh yeah, I'll do that. But, but I, I don't think you can get James. So there's yeah. that's where I am. But yes, obviously, I would rather I'd give up every I'd give up Maxi, Thibel, first round picks, bring him back. Yeah, because yeah, I think you can get it. You can get the a 
but when it comes to defenders, there's a lot of guys with long wingspan and a lot of defense is about will and desire. So you can find the right guy with the right makeup that has the physical traits with Thibault. I think you can find that. It's not like they can come out like a dime a dozen, but I think there's enough guys that are out there coming to college, ranking a G League that you can develop into that. Chris, great stuff. We appreciate you coming on board with us. You know, you, we're going to tap into you plenty even before camp opens up and then all year long. We appreciate when you're up on Birds 365. Thanks for doing it with us today. Jody John is always a pleasure. Thank you, guys. Chris Franklin, NJ.com, uh, doing some Sixers insight for us, too. Uh, yeah, got to get that in, Jody. Yes. Um, yes. You, man, I always go back to my, my 57th Moneyball reference because it's on Showtime all month. Uh, when Billy Bean's in the office uh, of Art Howe, who's Philip Seymour Hoffman and Brad Pitt, obviously, uh, they're talking about uh, uh, Pena playing defense, and, and Billy Bean is saying, I don't care about defense. That's where I am. I don't care. I don't care. I want the impactful player. I want the impactful offensive player because it means more. I'm sorry. I don't care about defense. That's where I am. That that's why I would take Colin Sexton. Yes, we all realize if Dame Lillard can be had, if the Sixers can do Ben Simmons plus whatever else you need to make plus happen for Dame Lillard, that would be the preference. I think that's highly unlikely. Whereas I do think a trade for Colin Sexton, if you put love in a deal, is something that could get done tomorrow if the Sixers wanted to do it. I'm not saying they have to do it tomorrow, but when push comes to shove, I'm telling you that's the best deal that the Sixers will have out there during this offseason. All right, we will bring it back around to the Philadelphia Eagles. I got a question for Johnny Mack when we come back. Um, having to do with, I, you know I'm a horse racing fan, right, Johnny Mack? I do know that. I've heard rumors of that. Oh, the rumors are 100% accurate and true. Um, one track that I have been to only once in my life, I had a great time, had a winning day. Doesn't that usually, the way that it works, if you made yeah. money in that track, it's a great track. If you went there and lost, yeah, maybe may never go back to that track. But a track that I went to uh, that I do want to reference that has an eagle tie to it. All right, I'm taking you down a road you might not understand. I'm going to have to explain. That won't be a problem because we're coming back here on Birds 365. I get scared sometimes. Of a lot of things. Joining in. Decisions. The dark. The dark. But I once heard someone say... But as I always say... It's okay to be afraid. As long as you face the fear. And keep moving forward. Wherever you are in life, count on the name trusted in insurance for over 80 years. Independence Blue Cross. Ah, the savoring taste of a good bag of beef jerky is so enjoyable at any time of the day, as long as you can find it. Here's what we suggest... Pure Bull Beef Jerky is our answer, and soon it will be yours. Locally produced in the Philadelphia region, this high-quality, healthy protein snack is easy to secure. Go to Steersnacks.com, and you'll see hot garlic, tropical heat, Pure Bull Dry Rub, and our favorite, Huck and Fod. What's that? Huck and Fod. Go now to Steersnacks.com. Welcome to the Wildwoods, the perfect place where you can safely do everything or nothing at all. Catch a wave, take a nap, go for a drive, grab a bite. It's your vacation, and we're doing everything we can to make it a safe one. The Wildwoods. Your vacation, 
your way. The International Brotherhood of Electrical Workers, Local Union 98, is a proud sponsor of The Labor Show with J. Doc and Krause every Saturday night from 6 to 8 p.m. IBEW Local 98's highly trained and superbly skilled electricians are the best in the business, setting the highest safety standards in the electrical industry. So when you're planning your next industrial, commercial, or residential project, choose an IBEW Local 98 union contractor. Learn more at IBEW98.org. Field of life. First Trust Bank is there for you. Because Philadelphia dreams deserve a Philadelphia bank. This is a key. It's a family tree. It's a pair of wings. It's a secret handshake. And a ticket to anywhere in the world. It's more than a uniform. It's the door to a world most people only dream of. There's strong, and then there's Army strong. Try it on at GoArmy.com. You got your Mac and Mac guys, McMullen and McDonald, here on Birds 365. I'm in the thanks. Chris Franklin from NJ.com hopping on with us. Uh, programming note, within the next 20 minutes, we hope to be talking to a first-time starter. There's a horse racing reference for you. Um, Jason Cole, who we haven't had on yet since we started up Birds 365. I've had Jason on my national radio show a bunch of times over the year. Uh, NFL reporter, author, and Hall of Fame voter is going to hop aboard with us coming up in less than 20 minutes. Uh, back to that horse racing reference I made. Um, track that I did go to once made money. So therefore it's one of my favorite tracks on the planet, but it's actually one that has some history to it. Arlington park is in Illinois, not far outside of Chicago. And they are going to end racing in Arlington park within the late, this is the final year of racing at Arlington park. And there is a lot of conversation about the potential to build a new NFL-ready stadium on the site of Arlington Park. And that, of course, would be the new home of the Chicago Bears. And the Bears are flirting with Arlington, and there's some back-and-forth political statements being made. The mayor of Chicago and the mayor of Arlington. There's no reason why the Bears can't come out here. You're not leaving Chicago. You got a uh, lease till 2033. Um, but uh, I, I wasn't me who coined this phrase, but I've heard many people say leases are made to be broken. Some are ironclad. Some have uh, out clauses. Uh, here's the reason why I bring this. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile and the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, offering professional grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus. You can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, clickgranger.com, or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done. Stop. 
it does. I, I got a call on my national show this weekend, John, where a guy said, Jody, it seems to me like they moved the Bears out to Arlington. Would the NFL put a second team in Chicago? And I said, no, they're no. not going to do it. Why the would same. they put Oh, If they're people. going to add more teams in the NFL, they're going to expand. They're going to do so into a new market. Not put a second team in a market that already has a team. But he was like really put off by the fact that the Bears were going to move from within the city limits to the suburbs. Now, Arlington is about 24, 25 miles yeah. outside of Chicago. So it's not right on the, the border, but it's not all that far away either. I've never quite understood this. And maybe it's me. And yes, I've dealt with it in my lifetime because I grew up in New York as a Jet fan. And both the Jets and the Giants not only moved <laughs> out of the city proper, yeah, they moved out yeah. of the state. Yeah. They went across the river into another state. And it was perfectly fine. It was no big deal. We've never dealt with that here in Philadelphia because Eagles have always been within the city limits. But there have been times before they ever built, uh, moved out of the vet, there were conversations about where yeah. the new Eagles stadium could be built. What are your thoughts on teams, quote unquote, moving to the burbs? Uh, if you are cares? going outside the city limits, is that a big deal? Is that an affront to the fan base no. if teams no. consider something like I, that? I, I think it's a bigger affront to people who typically, not your caller, but typically who don't live in that specific area. Like, they don't realize how close the Giants and the Jets are to New York. They're actually, you know, uh, closer to Manhattan. <laughs> you know, you could throw a rock and hit Manhattan from the Meadowlands, basically, if you got uh, a John Elway-like arm. Mm -hmm. uh, so it's really close is what I'm getting to my point is. You talk about uh, how close Arlington, Arlington Heights is to Chicago. It's the same market. I went through uh, – you know, when the Vikings moved from Bloomington to Minneapolis, they said, oh, the Vikings are moving. They're moving 20 minutes up I-35, whatever the heck it is. And, and that's it. That's it. So I think it's a bigger deal for people who don't realize the geography of the particular area. But, uh, you know, if, if the Sixers, by the way, they might move to Camden. They're not happy with Wells Fargo Center. If they can get New Jersey on board to build them at their own arena, they'll go to Camden in a second. Uh, the Nets obviously were uh, at the Meadowlands, and then and then they were at the what's it called now, the Prudential Center. It's still right. the yes. Prudential Center, and yes. now they're in Brooklyn. Who cares? It's all the same ge geography. It's the same team. You know, they got a little bit cooler by being called Brooklyn. Uh, but it's the same area. Yeah, I don't, I don't think it's a big deal. Yeah, and you mentioned that you could hit uh, Manhattan with a rock if you got John Elway's arm from the Meadowlands. Oh, yeah, you could certainly hit Philadelphia from the Sixers practice facility yeah. right across the river in Camden. It's if, if, you, if there wasn't a river in between, you could probably yeah. walk it in under 10 minutes if you were just traversing the area across the Delaware River. It's not that big a deal. And it is it, it just amazes me. Uh, was this caller, but I did it for years in New York when I did talk shows up there. The Jets, when uh, the Giant Stadium came down, there was conversation of them building a stadium on the west side of Manhattan rather than joining in partnership with the Giants on other states, which, by the way, never had a chance of happening. Yeah. Would have been a nightmare. Real estate, to go. By the way, real estate, kind of expensive in Manhattan. 
and a swamp in North Jersey, not quite as expensive. So that plays into it as well. Where are you going to get the free land uh, to build these palaces? That That's part of the problem in Chicago. The Bears have a lot of problems with the city of Chicago. And, yeah, they probably love to get the hell out of there, to be honest. And here's the one thing that I, I think th people don't acknowledge enough. Specifically with the NFL, we're only talking about now 17 days. And if you're talking about just home games, used to be eight, uh, right, add in the preseason. So it's still 10 games a year, even with the added game. Um, you're talking about 10 games a year. If it is a baseball team, now you're asking the fans to come out 81 times over the course of a season. Now convenience and having to get in a car and drive further because yeah. they're out in the suburb. Yeah, that can become something that could become a deterrent. A basketball or a hockey team. Okay, I'll even buy a little of that. If you're 41 times asking your fan base to show up in your building, and if you're asking them to go a little bit further, they might say, yeah, no, I'm not going to drive up to the city. I'm not going to go to flag. You're talking about special events. When the Eagles only have 10 games a year, you're going to yeah. drive wherever you need to drive. If you want to go watch the Eagles play, you're going to put in the extra couple of miles behind the wheel to be able to get to the Eagles game. As long as you got enough room to tailgate, who the heck cares if you got to drive well, an extra 20 minutes? Well, you're only and, doing and it 10 times way, a year. Jody, you know, you don't have to look hard for the Phillies and say, oh, you know, oh, you, you can take the train down there and walk a couple blocks and be in Citizens Bank Park. Place is packed when they're good. Nobody's there. Nobody's there when they're not good. So what does it matter? What is what is the ability to hop on the train? What is that doing for you? If the team is good, people will show up, whether it's the suburbs or the city or wherever. If they're not good, they're not going to show up. With the NFL, with the Eagles, as you said, it's an event. Oh, they're showing up. They're right. showing up in Chicago for a Bears game in Arlington Heights. Trust right, yeah. me. Trust I, me on that. Yeah, I don't think they're going to have a half-empty stadium. Now, here's the one thing I will say about having been going to Eagle games and doing an Eagle pregame show, uh, good years, uh, but in years where the Eagles haven't been good, you get a Christmas week game when the Eagles aren't in the playoff hunt, when they've already been mathematically eliminated. Oh, all the money's gone into Jeff Lurie's pocket. Don't don't kid yourself on that. All the tickets are sold, but you can have a half-empty stadium that the fans will just say, "Yeah, no, never mind. It's too cold to go out, and uh, it, it really doesn't yeah, mean yeah. anything. The the game is kind of irrelevant for this season. We'll wait till next year." Yeah, just because the tickets sold doesn't mean they're going to fill the house. But that's the most important thing to Jeff Lurie. Let's be honest about this. As long as he's sold all those tickets, he's okay with every once in a while, not often, but every once in a while having a freezing cold, near zero yeah. December game being uh, half full at best. Yeah, it's embarrassing. Don't get me wrong. If you're 4 11 and 1 uh, in the last game is half empty, yeah, that doesn't look good aesthetically. Plus, you're losing some concessions and parking and all that. But you're right. Those tickets are sold, Jody. So ultimately, you know, the TV revenue is getting split, whether you're good or bad. So, you know, from a business standpoint, it, it doesn't it doesn't hit you that much. 
and even on those cold December days where you may or may not go, even though you've already bought the tickets, been there, done that a couple of times. Um, I had it in uh, my car for years when I would go to games and I couldn't even tell you where it is. But I used to have a uh, CD that I could throw into my car CD player. Greatest hits of NFL films. And as you're driving to the stadium, you throw a tape in like that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'd have to turn on my local uh, sports radio station. If it's an Eagle game, WIP. If it's a uh, New York football game, WFAN. And yes, I want to get some updated information on the game coming up. But if I'm going as a fan and I'm using tickets and I want to get pumped up and psyched for the game, I throw in a tape of uh, NFL hits, uh, greatest hits of all time. Which means... John Facenda's voice is going to be coming through the speakers in my car. I got to admit here, John, shame on me. When I found out yesterday that John Facenda was being honored this year with the Peter Rosell Award, which is for radio and television contributions to the National Football League, I was floored. I thought for sure that John Facenda was already in the Pro Football Hall of Fame. I had no idea that he had not yet been given that honor as the voice of the National Football League. It was a foregone conclusion in my mind. Now, I've been covering the NFL for 30-plus years. I should have known that, so I'm not questioning the Hall of Fame voters. Well, yeah, I am a little bit, but just as much question on me for not realizing that John Facenda wasn't in yet. When I read that yesterday, I was so taken aback by it, I couldn't believe it. How was John Facenda... Not in the Pro Football Hall of Fame prior to yesterday. Uh, well, I was with you, by the way. Uh, I was kind of stunned that he wasn't honored. Uh, turns out he was honored. Um, it was called something different. It was called, uh, I'm looking it up, uh, the Ralph Hay Pioneer Award, uh, an award presented to an individual who has made significant innovative contributions uh, to professional football. So I don't know. I uh, We can ask Jason Cole. I mean, Jason Cole might have a better uh, feel for why it took so long. But yeah, if you're going to have the award, I guess I don't pay as much attention to that award because oh, media people, uh, we don't belong in the Pro Football Hall of Fame. And nobody. So, so, That's so if, they, if they tabbed you, you would turn it down? No, I'm not saying that. I'm just saying, <laughs> I'm saying I, I, I don't pay attention to it as much because it doesn't i i don't get it uh as much as you know it's the pro football hall of fame uh, look there's some great great didn't you being you know locally phenomenal right i'm giving every writing award you want um i i i just don't get the philosophy behind it so i think that's the reason i didn't realize it but yeah he should have been the first guy i mean if you're going to do a radio television thing He's got to be the first guy, right? I I would think so, unless you're going to put Ed Sable in or Steve Sable. Maybe they should be the first, but Ed's Ed's already in and Steve is going in. Yeah. And that's one of the reasons why I think someone realized, hey, you know, we've never actually given Facenda the Pete Rosell Award, which is for radio and television. Who's more deserving than him? I think it was a bit of an oversight, and I'm glad that they corrected it. But I'm actually pointing the accusatory finger at myself. The fact that I didn't know that he wasn't. No, I didn't know either. I I did not know, Jody, 
Um, and it was one of those things where, so I'm looking it up now. They, they started it in 89, and the first one was Bill McBail, who was an executive at CBS. Ed Sable was 91. Um, then you had guys like Chris Schenkel, Kirk Gowdy, Pat Summerall, Frank Gifford, Jack Buck, so mostly TV uh, people, Charlie Jones, Dick Enberg, Ray Scott, Rune Arledge, who was an executive, John Madden, John Crickey. So it's mm. mainly TV-related. Uh, I don't know. Maybe it was more of an announcing award. And obviously, John was more narration for NFL films. But, yeah, I, he would have been number one for me, to be honest. Right. Where where did we hear the NFL film stuff? But on television. They, they didn't yeah. make... Actual but films I mean, you didn't tell, go to I, I mean, a movie actual, theater to hear John Fitzgerald. You heard it on your TV. Yeah, but it's mainly play-by-play or color guys. So yeah, I. Uh, but again, I don't. I don't know the history of the war uh, award. Um, so I'll tell you what, radio's getting screwed, Jody. So that's bad news for you. Yeah, I'm, gonna, <laughs> I, I'm not holding my breath. I'm kind of like you on that way. If the Honor ever came, it's got zero chance. You, you've got about a point zero zero one chance of getting in. I have a flat zero chance of getting in, and I'm not going to uh, worry about it or lose any sleep over it. I, I just, when I heard that yesterday, I said, damn, that's an oversight on the NFL. Shame, shame on them. They should have yeah. honored this man earlier because, yeah, if you are of a certain age, I got a couple of years on you. I remember when watching those NFL film highlight packages were that was it. There wasn't easily accessible on your pad, on your phone. I can get NFL highlights anytime. No, that was it. You wanted NFL highlights, two places on a compilation highlight film put together by NFL films and or Howie Cosell on Monday Night Football. That's yeah. the only place you got your NFL highlights. And no, the I'm with you. He should have been in. He should have been in. Like the autumn wind is a pirate, Jody. He should have been in. Um, I yeah, I, I he's the voice of God. That's a pretty good nickname. Yeah, when when that's the nickname you've garnered, voice of God. How are you not in your sports hall of fame up until that point? Doesn't make uh, any sense to me. Uh, and NFL Films has been phenomenal, and uh, they still are putting out great stuff. And even though John Vicente is not doing, Harry Callis took over. Did it for years. We are very lucky here in the Delaware yeah. Valley that it has been the home of NFL films forever, and they've been able to use very recognizable voices to us here. From hey, real quick, you're sending me down a wormhole, Jody, uh, because fans always say, "Oh, the, the, the they hate the Eagles, they hate the local teams, the announcers." So many of the announcers are from here because uh, NFL films has been in Mount Laurel. And so much about it. I mean, if anything, they're biased towards the Eagles people because there's so many uh, Philadelphia people involved in M NFL films over the years. And uh, again, uh, we're showing our age a little bit, um, but I have no problem doing that. Tom Brookshire was the number one analyst for one of the two broadcast net networks for years. He and Tom Summerall were like this. He and Pat Summerall, excuse me, were like this. And they were a phenomenal team. And yes, 
to, to my ears, rookie, whenever he got an Eagle game, would certainly lean toward the Eagle direction. Even when he got games that could have an effect on an Eagle season, I think he would see him through somewhat Eagle-colored glasses. Uh, that's just my read on Tom Brookshire, my former boss, my first boss at uh, WIP. Um, yeah. Great guy and a great broadcaster as well. But you're right. He was a Philadelphia broadcaster doing national games. But if you talk to a lot of Philadelphia fans, yes, all the announcers are against the Eagles. Mm -hmm. Everyone hates Philadelphia. How does this guy get this job when it's so obvious that he has a uh, chip on his shoulder about Philadelphia? That's just not the case and hasn't yeah. been for a long time. Hasn't been. In fact, it was, again, it was more geared because of where NFL Films is, because the producers, the camera, everybody's an Eagles fan, uh, basically. And, you know, as you go on, things have changed a little bit. They do a lot of work out in Los Angeles, obviously, now, and it's become a bigger part of it. You have the whole cowboy influence with Troy Aikman and Daryl Johnston and uh, Tony Romo, obviously, Jason Witten for the year. So, yeah, things have changed a little bit. But, man, there were a lot of – and there still are a lot of Philadelphia people involved in NFL films. Yeah, wow. You just reminded me of something. Yeah, there are a lot of cowboy guys, and they're pretty good. I've always thought Aikman uh, was good. Tremendous. So was Aikman. What's Jason Witten doing this year? He came back and played last year. I don't believe he's on anybody's roster. I know no, no network has reached out to grab him after he did a year of Monday night football, which he wasn't all that good at. Uh, you got any idea what Jason Witten's doing for 2021? No, uh, he, I, I, he's not going to be back in broadcasting. That was not successful. So I don't think that's going to work out for him. But uh, I, I don't think he's going to play, so. Uh, you want to know some? If I were a, a network head, um, I, I I'd want to give that guy a second shot. I didn't I didn't think he did a great job. I thought it was a poorly constructed booth, and his play by play guy wasn't all that great. Um, I, I'd like to see him get another shot in a booth somewhere. Anyway, uh, John McMullen, Jordan McDonald, hanging with you. Coming up next, we have our second guest of the day. First time we've had him on Birds Three Sixty Five. I've had him on my radio shows for years. Uh, Jason Cole, uh, NFL author and Hall of Fame voter, is going to join us next here on Birds 365. I get scared sometimes. Of a lot of things. Joining in. Decisions. The dark. The dark. But I once heard someone say. But as I always say. It's okay to be afraid. As long as you face the fear. And keep moving forward. Wherever you are in life, count on the name trusted in insurance for over 80 years. Independence Blue Cross. Ah, the savoring taste of a good bag of beef jerky is so enjoyable at any time of the day, as long as you can find it. Here's what we suggest. Pure Bull Beef Jerky is our answer, and soon it will be yours. Locally produced in the Philadelphia region, this high-quality, healthy protein snack is easy to secure. Go to Steersnacks.com, and you'll see hot garlic, tropical heat, Pure Bull Dry Rub, and our favorite, Huck and Fod. What's that? Huck and Fod. Go now to Steersnacks.com. Welcome to the Wildwoods, the perfect place where you can safely do everything or nothing at all. Catch a wave, take a nap, go for a drive, grab a bite. It's your vacation. 
and we're doing everything we can to make it a safe one. The Wildwoods. Your vacation, your way. The International Brotherhood of Electrical Workers, Local Union 98, is a proud sponsor of The Labor Show with J. Doc and Krause every Saturday night from 6 to 8 p.m. IBEW Local 98's highly trained and superbly skilled electricians are the best in the business, setting the highest safety standards in the electrical industry. So when you're planning your next industrial, commercial, or residential project, choose an IBEW Local 98 union contractor. Learn more at IBEW98.org. Field of life. First Trust Bank is there for you. Because Philadelphia dreams deserve a Philadelphia bank. This is a key. It's a family tree. It's a pair of wings. It's a secret handshake. And a ticket to anywhere in the world. It's more than a uniform. It's the door to a world most people only dream of. There's strong, and then there's army strong. Try it on at GoArmy.com. You got your Mac and Mac guys here with you on Birds 365, John McMullen. Go to McDonald's. Looking forward to the next 15, 20 minutes here with our next guest. I've had him on my national radio show many a time, but first time I get to see his smiling face. Jason <laughs> Cole, NFL Auto Hall of Fame uh, voter, joins us here on Birds 365. How you doing, Jason? I'm fantastic. What's going on? Hey, Jason. Good to see you. Uh, good to see you, I, I don't know if you were on hold there. Well, Jody and I were talking about John Pacenda who's going to be honored by the Pro Football Hall of Fame. And I wanted yep. to, to get your take on that, being a voter and being involved in the process. Obviously not for that award, but just, you know, Jody and I were both on the same page saying, Pacenda's not in? What the heck? What the heck is, is, is going on here with that particular award? Why did it take so long or are we just off base and – uh, they gave him a different award years ago. So just kind of explain that. Well, number one, I was actually surprised as well. I was like, Facenda is not yeah. in already. Like I, I, I've never had to consider Facenda. Yeah. yeah. Um, his name has never been put in front of me during the eight years that I've been a voter, nine years now that I've been a voter. So I didn't, I, it's one of those things where you don't think about people that are not put in front of you. Right. So, uh, in this case, that award is not run by the voters themselves. We don't we don't approve that. That's done in house by um, the Hall of Fame itself and whatever their process is. I mean, if you look at the list, I mean, it's pretty pretty outstanding list. So the fact that Facenda hasn't made it yet, when you start to look at the people who've been um, who have been honored already. I don't know that it was necessarily an oversight um, as much as it's a pretty crowded list. Um, it's sort of like when you talk about the senior committee, which we do run, and all the senior candidates. It's a pretty backlogged list of people 
who should be considered or should already be in, basically. Jason, we like having guys like yourself on because you got a, a good national perspective and understand the whole league. We so narrow focus on our team, uh, the Eagles here sure. in Philadelphia. We need to get a broader scope look at things. So I'll ask you this question. Would you put Jalen Hurts in your top 40 quarterbacks in the <laughs> National Football League? Because one national guy decided to pass on putting him in the top 40, not top 32, top 40 with a couple of extra backups thrown in there. Is he on point? And has Jalen Hurts got a lot to prove this year? Or did he show enough last year that you could sneak him into your top 40? Look, I think Jalen Hurts is a really talented athlete who has enough traits in the modern game to get away with being quarterback. Um, he is not what you look for in a pocket passer. And I still think, despite the fact that you have Lamar Jackson, you have Kyler Murray, and you have Russell Wilson, all these guys who can move, the game is still won from the pocket. That's how you impact defenses the most. Um it's one for the pocket first and then with the ability to create outside, all right? And there are some exceptions to that rule. I'm not saying that that is a, you know, absolute blank canvas statement across the board. I mean, again, Lamar Jackson works because he has speed that is unreal and running ability that is unreal. He's he's off the charts. Jalen Hurts is not like that, right? He's not Lamar Jackson, Okay. He has enough ability. He's, he's closer to Russell Wilson, which is Russell Wilson is first a, a pocket quarterback who has the ability to create and run and do some do some interesting things. But Jalen Hurts doesn't throw the ball like Russell Wilson, right? And that's where you sit there and go, okay, this is where it starts to break down. Now, top 40, like after you get past the first like 15 or 20 quarterbacks in the league, what's the difference between 21 and 40? What's the difference between 21 and 50? It's really a matter of taste, okay? And if this is Chris Sims's list, okay, Chris Sims, and, and I haven't, and I didn't check whether Jalen Hurts was on it or not, but I'm assuming that's what you mean. But Correct. Chris Sims is a quarterback purist, okay? Yeah. That's how he looks at this. He looks at it from, this is what a quarterback is supposed to look like. This is how they're scouted. This is how my dad played. This is how I was trained to play. This is, you know, that's what he's used to. And that's what he's looking for with some moderate exceptions. Jalen Hurts doesn't fit into that category. So, yeah, I'm uncomfortable with Jalen Hurts as a quarterback, but I could be wrong. Uh, I, I will certainly say that. And I, the jury is sort of out on this one. But you guys know the Eagles have been sniffing around on other quarterbacks all yeah. offseason. They've been yeah. trying to figure out what are they doing at that position. Yeah. Jason, uh, I, I when you talk about the quarterback position as a whole, one of the things, one of the cliches you always hear is you can't teach accuracy. Now, you heard a lot of those things about Josh Allen. All of a sudden, Josh Allen got accurate uh, mm -hmm. for whatever reason. There was certainly an improvement from Wyoming to the professional level. Do you mm -hmm. think that's a fair criticism? And, and in fact, Jalen's at 52%. That's not good enough. But can that get better? Can you teach that at the pro level? I think it depends on certain factors like what does your release point look like? Are you consistent when you get rid of the ball? Is your motion consistent? Um, like Cam Newton is never going to be a really accurate thrower. It's just like sort of when you guys watch Donovan McNabb, 
Donovan, you know, threw low and hard, right? And Cam Newton throws high and loose. It's his throwing motion. It's just you you look at that. Um, Kyle Bowler, when he played in Baltimore, um, was just a, you know, he was whipping the ball around as hard as he could. He didn't have finesse. He didn't have touch, okay? He believed, you, you know, you throw it as far as you can or you throw it as hard as you can. You're not going to be able to teach that guy to back off of that. Um, Jalen Hurts, there's something a little bit better in him. Um, is it Josh Allen better? Like, are you going to learn to throw with a little bit of touch? Are you going to learn to throw with a little more accuracy? Um, yeah, I think guys can get better. But, I, you know, look, if you're not Joe Montana or Tom Brady, you're not going to become those guys. You're, you're, you're not going to be able to ever get that level. You can get a little bit better. You can get more accurate. You can take advantage of whatever your athletic ability is to then understand if I run around a little bit, if I create a little bit, I'm going to be able to get the ball to here, um, and I can be a little bit more accurate that way. But you're never going to be elite in that category. Jason, again, uh, same kind of question I answered my first one. Give us that good national perspective on a topic that we may be in town a little too close to, a little too narrow focused. Nick Sirianni, new first-year head coach for the Eagles. The first thing we got from him was that he's an enthusiastic guy. He's got a lot of uh, get up and go to his delivery and the way that he talks to players and the way that he coaches for a guy like John who gets out there and gets to see a couple minutes on the field. But can he coach in the NFL? We have no idea. We got to wait and see. But we're trying to draw conclusions without him ever having coached a game. The rah-rah attitude, the uh, rally the troops by with positivity and uh, pumping your fist and trying to get it, get guys excited. We've seen it work in the NFL. We've seen it fail in the NFL. How do you determine which one it's more likely going to be before the season ever happens? Do you have a guy or two that you would make reference to who you saw as a first time out of the box head coach that either made it work or it kind of blew up in his face? Look, do you prove to the players one way or the other that you know how to put them in the best position to win? That's the, that's the only thing that matters to players, okay? Whether players buy into what you do is, do you put me in position to win and make me look good, okay? And make me play better football. If you can do that, they don't care if you wear pom-poms, okay? Or if you're, you know, have this, you know, wear the hoodie like Belichick. They don't care, all right? All they care about is, do you put me in position to win? Do you put the team in position to win, okay? And there's a certain amount of authority that goes to that. Can you run the whole team and keep everybody going this the right direction? But if we win, ultimately, if I play better as a player, I'm going to buy into whatever it is that you're doing. That's the most important thing in all of this. Now, I prefer authority, okay? I think it's more important for, for an authority, but I'm not the GM. Okay, my biggest concern about Sirianni is that he's a continuation of Doug Peterson in that he's going to be manipulated um, by the owner and the GM, right? Yeah. And that they're going to take control of the situation. They haven't found the authority figure like the Andy Reid who they could trust to say, go run the football operations. Did they go, want that figure, Jason? I, well, that was the thing that they were most successful with consistently, yeah. and they tried to get with Peterson. Unfortunately, Doug 
doesn't have that persona. I know Doug really well. I mean, I covered him when he was a quarterback with the Dolphins. He doesn't have the persona to go in to Howie or Jeff and say, hey, you guys got to back off. Okay, you guys got to let me run my part of the organization. You go do whatever it is you're going to do, and I'll win. Okay, they didn't. He never did that, and they didn't trust him, and they ran ran over the top of him. All right, and and that's you know that's their nature. Andy Reid came in. He had Joe Banner by his side. Joe knew that he wasn't going to be great at actually picking or coaching players, so he ran the analytics and he ran the finance side of it and they were successful enough that Jeff stayed out of the way. Right. But they haven't had that guy since then. And you know, whether it was Chip Kelly or Doug Peterson, now Sirianni, Sirianni seems to me like a guy who's going to get run over by the owner and the GM. That's just how, it, how it looks to me from, from a distance. Yeah, you certainly get – you typically get that pendulum effect when you change coaches. You go from player's coach to to disciplinarian or, or vice versa. That's typically right. how it kind of works. doesn't seem to work that way, certainly in Philadelphia. Uh, from the outside looking in, and you, you know a lot of the participants. You're very close to Doug, as you said. Um, how much has Jeffrey Lurie changed? Or was Andy Reid just a, a better politician? better able to handle an owner who wants to be involved because Jeff is here every day. He's watching mm -hmm. practice. He's here every single day. Look, Andy had a combination of knew how to work people. He still does. He knows how to work people, um, make them feel like they're involved, make them feel like they're important. He does have a political element to him while at the same time having an authority to say, Look, you're gonna, I'm going to allow you to participate this much, but at the end of the day, I draw the line here. I make the decision here. I can't tell you the number of times you know, Joe Banner and Jeff Lurie would go to him with their analytics about, okay, this is what you should be doing on third down in running game situations. And you guys know it. Andy's greatest flaw was that he never developed a great running game in Philadelphia that he could completely trust, and he threw too much, right? So – they would constantly go to him with these analytics about what you're supposed to do in, in fourth quarter. And he'd look at him and go, I'm going to do it my way. <laughs> and, and he won games, right? Yeah. <laughs> like he, he won games. So what were they really ultimately going to say? And he developed players. So what were they really ultimately going to say? And the quarterbacks, every quarterback that he had ended up being better than that guy's ability or, or played to the best of his ability no matter what, whether that was Donovan, whether it was Michael Vick, or whether it was, you know, A.J. Feely, right? Yeah. Those guys always, always played to the best of their ability. So they, you know, like he had the efficacy to go with it that even if Joe and Jeff said, hey, you know, maybe you should be running things a little bit differently, he'd say, mm, I run football. Thank you. Jason, I want to jump back to uh, the quarterback position because I think you've got a uh, little extra added value and information here in a competition I see coming over next year, and that's the Eagles against the Broncos. You know the Broncos organization pretty well. You did your book, uh, Relentless Life, with John Elway. The one thing John Elway hasn't been able to do is find the next John Elway in Denver. He got the nice little uh, respite with – Peyton Manning in there, won a Super Bowl, 
but he hadn't been able to find that young guy to pick up where John Elway left off when John Elway was a player, which means I think they are going to be a big-time player in the quarterback market next season. They've decided to go with Locke and Teddy Bridgewater this year. Good luck with that. Um, but we here in Philadelphia think there's a real good chance mm-hmm. the Eagles are looking for their next quarterback by the end of this season. I think, personally, the Broncos are looking for their next quarterback by the end of the season. Elway this offseason brought in a serious general manager to try and take a little of the emphasis off himself in being the guy to find that next quarterback. Am I reading the situation right? Are the Broncos going to be major players, either via draft, moving up in a draft, and or free agency if a Aaron Rodgers ever gets there, if Deshaun Watson ever gets there? Are the Eagles and the Broncos going to be in competition for a franchise quarterback? Yes, they are. Uh, the competition could come a little bit faster, um, depending on Aaron Rodgers. I don't think if it's Aaron Rodgers, I don't think the Eagles are going to be in on that one. It's going to be a West Coast team because that's where Aaron's going to prefer to be. Um, he's got his short list of teams that he wanted to play for. San Francisco was on top of that list, but San Francisco made their move um, a little bit prematurely, uh, I would say. Um, they probably could have made a trade work a little bit if they hadn't made the big trade up to get up into the top three. So, yeah, Rodgers is going to try and get out of there. I don't know if he's going to be able to set sort of that that nuclear warhead off that's going to ultimately get him out of Green Bay. Like, is he going to blow up the locker room um, to the point where the Packers say, we can't even keep this guy around? Um, That's hard for any player to do. because your reputation takes a big hit when you do that, right? But we'll see if he does. Deshaun Watson is going to be available. I think he is radioactive for Houston. And and actually, if I was Philadelphia or Denver or any team that's looking down the road saying, I need to get a franchise quarterback, I'd actually probably be willing to take Deshaun Watson on now at a cheaper price uh, in terms of the draft compensation, and if I, you know, look, if I have to pay him the ten million dollars for not playing this year, okay, I'll bite that bullet. That's a that's a small investment for a franchise quarterback. <clears throat> um, if I can save myself, if I can say I can get him for two first round picks plus a second round pick, or maybe a little bit more, instead of okay, he's not suspended anymore. Now it's going to cost me three or four first round picks. I would rather pay less in the in the draft compensation and more in the money because like Deshaun Watson's gonna play again. All right. As long as this is the material that is out there, if that's it, and, and we haven't seen any more of it, right? Yeah. Um, what he's done is stupid. What he's done is unsavory. What he's done you know is a little weird, okay? Having 40 different masseuses or involved, you know, like that's that's sloppy with your life, right? Um, but I don't think there's anything that there's nothing criminal here. Okay, there's nothing that's going to send him to jail for an extended period of time or cost him the rest of his career with the NFL. That's how I view this. Is it going to be a two-game suspension, a six-game suspension, a year suspension? Maybe. But even if it's a year, and I have to, to pay him ten million dollars to not play for a year, I'll take that. I'll, I'll take that on, and then I'll buy the rest of the contract, and I would I would buy low on the draft pick compensation, and I would deal with, you know, whatever the fallout is 
um, you know, from the PR standpoint. You know, I mean, the, again, the Eagles have been down this road. You know, with Vic, they took on an even even more difficult case in Vic, and they survived that one. I would be willing to go get Deshaun Watson. So, uh, to kind of explore that a little bit further, Jason, Nick Cesaro came out and said a little bit that he expects that something will happen by the beginning of training camp. I think the assumption around the league is that'll be the commissioner's exemplus. Sure. Is, is the league sort of willing to tell teams behind the scenes, sort of wink, wink, yeah, Deshaun's going to be suspended, might be half a season, might be a full year. And does that make it easier for teams potentially trying to get a, a star player for essentially what would be pennies on the dollar? Uh, and, and maybe a better way to go about it, as you mentioned, than giving up three first-round picks if you wait. Well, look, I don't know that the league. If I was, if I was Goodell, I would never give anybody that kind of guidance. I might because I don't know what's going to happen next, right? I, I don't, I don't know. You know, I've got my investigators, I've got everything, but I don't know what is the next thing around the corner that's going to happen that I may have to change my decision. So don't, so don't, I'm not going to box myself in. I would only tell somebody, look, based on what I see so far, um, you know, I don't anticipate, you know, he's not going to be out for his career. Okay. I, I don't know. If, again, I don't know if it's going to be two games or, or a, a full season, but I don't anticipate that, but I don't know what could happen. So you are taking on the liability that there's something else that's going to, that's going to happen with this guy or some other bit of information. So there is some risk. But that risk is mitigated by the fact that I'm going to be paying a lower price on the draft pick compensation, right, to take on somebody else's problem and get this guy a fresh start. Now, is Houston going to be willing to do that? Are they going to be willing to sell low on this problem? They haven't so far, number one. Um, you know, number two, they've already weathered the worst of the storm, right? Number three, I think Jack Easterby, the guy who kind of is the de facto president of the team, in some ways kind of likes having Deshaun Watson around because it takes all of the glare off of Jack Easter, right? <laughs> like, yeah, whether he whether he really understands that or not, it's like, okay, this guy's okay for me because, you know, everybody's screaming about Deshaun Watson. They're not screaming about me right now, okay? So there's a lot that has to play out, but that would be the, the road I would go down. If I was a general manager and I wanted to have Deshaun Watson, I wouldn't be afraid of what I have seen so far. And I would do my due diligence. I would send my private investigators. I would find out everything that I possibly could about what am I going to expect next. I'd be talking to Goodell. I'd be talking to the lawyers, you know, as much as I could. I'd try and find out everything that I could beforehand. But right now, knowing what I know publicly, I would probably be willing to trade for him knowing he's going to play someday. All right. I got another QB question for you, and I'll try uh -huh. and streamline it as best I can. Uh, knowing full well to ask two years from now, three years from now, four years from now, are Eagle fans going to look back and go, why did we ever move away from Carson Wentz? We'll have a lot to do with what the Eagles quarterback does. Uh, that will affect the way people look at Carson Wentz and if he had stayed. I won't even ask you to do that. Just give me your read on Carson Wentz. In his situation now, reunited with Frank Reich in Indianapolis, 
maybe away from the pressure cooker that is Philadelphia, a little less pressure in Indiana. How do you think Carson Wentz plays going forward next two, three, four years? Um, is it something that Eagle fans will look back and say, man, we had that guy. How did we ever let him go? Well, first of all, a little less pressure in Indianapolis versus Philadelphia. Like, you know, like the fan bases are anything close in those two cities. All right. I might, I might have <laughs> undersold it a little bit. Okay, but, thank you. And the media, like, yeah, the, the, that really tough indie media. Like, <laughs> look, if Carson Wentz is ever going to make it, He's going to have to make it in a town like Indianapolis where they have, you know, less glare, obviously, you know, at this point. I think it's been shown he's not the most mentally tough guy um, out there in terms of handling the pressure that's around him. He didn't handle the fact that Nick Foles won, won a Super Bowl very well. Um, you know, he, he just, it, it, you know, it didn't come together for him. He felt like he was second-guessed. Um, and, and that's, you know, if you're like that as a quarterback, you're not going to make it in this league. You're just not. So I think overwhelmingly I would bet against, you know, he might be good. I don't think he's going to be fantastic. So I think that overwhelmingly you're not going to regret it. But he is in the best possible situation for him to make it in any way, shape, or form. Because, yes, it's in a lower glare city, uh, lower glare media with a coach who knows how to handle him, who's gotten something out of him before. So if ever he's going to make it, this is the opportunity. But you always have to say, would that happen in Philadelphia? No. It just it just wouldn't. Yeah. He wasn't ready. He couldn't do it. He, you know, when when they won a Super Bowl without him, it, it got inside of his head. Um, when he got hurt, it got inside of his head. Um, he wasn't a great leader of men. And the Eagles sort of screwed it up because they didn't surround him with great talent either. So it all comes some cumulative effect of he lost his confidence. Whatever mojo he had was gone. And it wasn't going to come back. It, it, it just, it just it didn't happen. So if I'm an Eagles fan, you say, okay, great, go have a great career. But I know you weren't, I, I know you weren't going to make it in this town. Just you just have to look at it that way. Yeah, I that's a good way to look at it too, Jason. Because I think free agencies, trades in any sport, I think when they work out, people assume it would have worked out in the original town. That's not necessarily the case. So I think it's a good way to look at it. Uh one final thing for me. We talked about Aaron a little bit, Aaron Rodgers. That's the biggest story in the NFL offseason. Mm -hmm. Uh, you know, July 2nd is sort of a linchpin because you can opt out of the season. He's not going to opt out. You mentioned the, the nuclear part of it. People have talked about Carson Palmer, maybe goes down that route. But even though Aaron doesn't need the money, I've yet to meet the guy that's given back $23 million. So ultimately, Barry Sanders and Calvin Johnson. Yeah, that's, that's true. Ultimately, what do you think is going to happen with Aaron Rodgers? Is he going to play for the Green Bay Packers? And why would the Packers want him as a lame duck? If they're going to say, play one final year, why do, why do you want a lame duck? Because maybe you've seen Jordan Love practice. 
Yeah, I'm just saying. I, I don't know. I, I don't know if Jordan Love really is good or not. Okay. Yeah. Well, so no, I don't no. want to put that on. The odds are that he's not Aaron Rodgers. So if you're Matt Lafleur, you're looking like my best chance is that dude, Aaron Rodgers, and I'll take my chance with that dude. And we'll see if we keep him beyond this year on the contract that we have, or whatever. You know, let that yeah. play out. Okay. Um. Look, Aaron's different. Um. Aaron takes slights very seriously. I mean, the fact that he's disassociated himself from his parents and his brothers, if you're willing to do that, <laughs> you, you can say goodbye to Green Bay too, right? Like you're, you're, you're a pretty willful human being. Um, so if anybody's going to do this, it's Aaron Rodgers. But I'm just going to say it's hard. It's really, really hard to go down that path because you know that an entire city is going to hate you. John Elway did it with Baltimore. Baltimore still hates John Elway. <laughs> okay. and, 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 and that's unfair because the guy who really screwed it up was Bob Irsay, but, you know, whatever. He yeah. wasn't the one who made the public statement, I don't want to play in Baltimore, right? Um, it, it was really, I don't want to play for the Colts and Irsay and Frank Cush, but it was, but it was saying, but he said Baltimore, and that was where he, he really got it wrong, right? So it's hard to go down that path. It's hard to, to say, go ahead, hate me. I don't care. I don't care at all if you if you hate me. Um, I'm, I'm out of here. I, I can't do this anymore. I can't work for these people. I can't I can't tolerate the fact that you haven't for the last 10 years surrounded with me with more talent. And then you made it even worse where you took a first round pick and you picked my, my successor. That is the John Elway story in 1992. All right. When in 1992, they're supposed to take Carl Pickens with the first, with their first round pick, the wide receiver out of Tennessee, right? This is what Dan Reeves was supposed to do. What did he do? He took Tommy Maddox yeah. out of UCLA. That was last year. Those two guys were together. Reeves gone after that year, okay? Because it was a, it was a full on war between Elway and Reeves. So, I I, I think somebody's going to be gone in Green Bay. I think there's a strong likelihood it's Aaron Rodgers. Um, if it was me, I would probably be replacing the general manager um, because it's easier to find GMs than it is to find quarterbacks. All right, Jason. Last one. This is a story that's kind of faded into the background the last week or so because nobody is together in a camp anywhere. But soon mm -hmm. enough, training camps are going to open. It was a pretty good story two weeks ago when there were some still teams gathering together because the NFL still has COVID protocols in place. If mm -hmm. a team can get upwards of 85% people vaccinated, those protocols get eased and relaxed quite significantly. And everyone is speculating as to how many teams are going to get to 85% by the time camp opens. How many do you think it's going to be? How many are going to have holdouts and guys who just want to make the decision for themselves and not be told what to do? Is this going to be a major story come three weeks from now when camps open up again? I, I think we'll probably have I, – I don't, I don't know what the number is going to look like. Were there like two teams that are already at 85%? Yeah. Um, so if you got two now, um, if somebody was going to take the vaccine, they were already going to – they should have already done it by now, right? 
they've had ample time to take the vaccine. Sure. So I don't think the numbers are going to grow. Are, are we going to get to six or seven? Um, is it going to go up from there? Probably not significantly, because again, if if you are willing to take the vaccine, you have every opportunity to do it now. Why didn't you do it already by now? Maybe you'll feel some pressure, and, and the list will grow to you know to nine or ten. But I think we're going to have you know nineteen or twenty teams. At the end of the day, is it going to really matter? I don't think so. I think that the NFL proved that they were able to get through an entire season last year. And and and, and granted, there were some moments that it, it looked like it might not happen. You know, games were moved to Wednesdays and Thursdays and all this other stuff, right? And it gets harder when you're selling tickets. I get that. You know, fans in the stand change a lot of things, right? But – if they got through last season without missing any games, I think they're going to get through this season without missing any games. I think they're going to find a way to do it, and it helps when you only have to play once a week. And I think that you know, Major League Baseball has is showing, and, and even the NBA is showing, you can get through a season, um, you know, with, without having a lot of people vaccinated. So I think we're going to get through next season okay. I don't think it's going to be that big a deal, and. Um, I think holding out and not getting vaccinated is kind of silly, but um, I'm also not going to like argue with a guy like Cole Beasley who feels very strongly that he doesn't want to take a vaccine, right? Like if that's that's your choice, not to take a vaccine, but understand you're putting your team at risk. Uh, just like last year, the Denver Broncos, and I think this is what this is one of the most important games in anybody of last season. Yeah. The, the NFL made a statement like, "Look, you screw this up." We don't care if you're playing with a guy, you know, who hasn't played quarterback since college. <laughs> um, you're going to play. We're going to get through this season. It's going to happen. And you're going to pay the price by playing an uncompetitive game. And once you play an uncompetitive game, then the pressure is really on from all your teammates who start looking at you going, hey, dude, you screwed this up for us and we embarrassed ourselves and we lost a game because of you. When that happens – then the rest of the league falls into place. That's why we have Jason Cole on to give us insight and opinion like that. Jason, great stuff today. You know we're going to be calling on you again. Thanks sure. for hopping on with us. We'll talk to you again down the road. All right, guys. Take care. My Thanks, pleasure. Jason. That is Jason Cole, uh, former NFL <laughs> uh, beat reporter, author, and Hall of Fame voter. You know what I like most about Jason, uh, Johnny Mac? I mentioned I've had him on my uh, radio show for you. He always sounds so certain of what he's saying. Yeah, you got to, man. I, I don't know it. if it's yeah. is it just his voice or the way that he says it. I've never seen him before because he's always on the other end of a telephone line. But just looking at him as well, any question you ask him, it sounds like he knows exactly the answer. He doesn't think. He doesn't have to ham. He doesn't have to awe. He's got the answer, and he just clearly and plainly states yeah, it man. for you. Well, if you're uh, comfortable with your opinion, you can be comfortable giving it. So that's what I like about Jason. He's well-educated on the subject, so he's very confident uh, talking about them. He really was. And uh, it was just a treat for me because he's a guy who I had interviewed, shoot, 10, 12 times over the year. But I'd never seen him before, right? And it was good to punch him up here on Birds 365. All right, we're running late. We'll take our final time out. Come back, put a bow on the show. Stay with us. I get scared sometimes. Of a lot of things. Joining in. 
Decisions. The dark. The dark. But I once heard someone say. But as I always say. It's okay to be afraid. As long as you face the fear. And keep moving forward. Wherever you are in life, count on the name trusted in insurance for over 80 years. Independence Blue Cross. Ah, the savoring taste of a good bag of beef jerky is so enjoyable at any time of the day, as long as you can find it. Here's what we suggest. Pure Bull Beef Jerky is our answer, and soon it will be yours. Locally produced in the Philadelphia region, this high-quality, healthy protein snack is easy to secure. Go to Steersnacks.com, and you'll see hot garlic, tropical heat, Pure Bull Dry Rub, and our favorite, Huck and Fod. What's that? Huck and Fod. Go now to Steersnacks.com. Welcome to the Wildwoods, the perfect place where you can safely do everything or nothing at all. Catch a wave, take a nap, go for a drive, grab a bite. It's your vacation, and we're doing everything we can to make it a safe one. The Wildwoods, your vacation, your way. The International Brotherhood of Electrical Workers, Local Union 98, is a proud sponsor of The Labor Show with J. Doc and Krause every Saturday night from 6 to 8 p.m. IBEW Local 98's highly trained and superbly skilled electricians are the best in the business, setting the highest safety standards in the electrical industry. So when you're planning your next industrial, commercial, or residential project, choose an IBEW Local 98 union contractor. Learn more at IBEW98.org. Field of life. First Trust Bank is there for you. Because Philadelphia dreams deserve a Philadelphia bank. This is a key. It's a family tree. It's a pair of wings. It's a secret handshake. And a ticket to anywhere in the world. It's more than a uniform. It's the door to a world most people only dream of. There's strong, and then there's Army strong. Try it on at GoArmy.com. Magamac guys, coming back to wrap up a good session of Birds 365. At least one man's opinion. Uh, that's because of Chris Franklin and Jason Cole both did very good jobs hopping on his guests. Tomorrow, we've already got our buddy BLG book. Brandon Lee Gowton going to hop aboard with us tomorrow. So we're looking forward to that. Uh, let us end on this note. A question for you, John McMullen. Down day. Not going to the facilities. Nick Sirianni probably spending some quality time with his family. Do you know if he's got kids or not? I don't. That's a good question. Yeah, nor, nor do he's I. Married, let, so, uh, right. Let, let's assume he's got some youngsters yeah. running around the house, rugrats maybe. Is he more likely losing 
rock, paper, scissors to them, foul shooting to them. Do you think he's down the beach? Do you think he can tank Marco Polo? What do you think Jonathan Sirianni is doing with his... By the uh, way, I'm a little alarmed. I want to say whatever Nick's doing, he's losing. But the question is, is he losing on purpose, as you mentioned, or or is he losing? One's better than the other. But I'm a little alarmed from what Jason Cole told us about Jeffrey Laurie and Howie Roseman and the difference between Andy Reid and not only Nick Sirianni, but also Doug Peterson. These guys are trying to 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 railroad this coach. That's my bigger concern. And Jody, I have to correct this because I'm big about correcting stuff. Okay. Jason Jason Witten retired. He signed a one year deal with the Cowboys. We were talking about him. Um, so he's officially retired, but haven't heard anything about him going back to TV. When he stepped away from football previously and did a year in the Monday night football booth. And then came back and played yeah. again. Was he not retired when he was well, in the Monday yeah, Night Football yeah. booth? But he didn't do the one-day contract thing. So they made the big ceremony. But I'm uh, not saying, hey, he could come back if he wants. But I don't think he's coming back. This I, I, I'm just saying, when you have someone who's already unretired once before, when he retires well, for a second time, hey, by I'm the way, taking it at 100%. That's just me. Recommendation real quick, and we got to go because we're running over four kings about uh, Sugar Ray Leonard, Thomas Ernst, Marvin Hagler, uh, Roberto Duran. Great documentary going on right now on Showtime. Everybody should watch it. Boy, I forgot how many times Sugar Ray Leonard retired and unretired. Boy, unbelievable. I've been saying this on my radio show for 25 years. Uh, Retired from boxing, one of the most relative terms in all of sports. You're relatively retired. Jody, I forgot there was a Leonard Durant three. I completely forgot. Oh, no. I, I watched that. I, 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 I watched it, too. I'm saying I completely forgot until I was reminded. That's how meaningless it was at the time. But those four guys, that they were great. All right. Uh, maybe I'll tell you my yeah. uh, Sugar Ray Leonard, uh, Roberto Duran, lost money story. One of these days oh, coming up there on Birds 365. All right, yes, we'll be back tomorrow. BLG, that would be Brandon Lee Gowton, who will be with us. He's John McMullen. I'm Jody McDonald. Thank you very much for watching Birds 365. If you missed any of today's show on the Jacob Media channel, listen to the podcast on your way home. Available on YouTube, Apple, and Spotify. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.